Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And welcome to a special edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. Why do we call it a special edition? Because when we can add Stars content and when we can add NHL content, we love to add it to the Spits and Suds feed. A perfect example, Sean and RJ had a great conversation with Stars GM this morning, and we wanted to bring that to you. A couple of highlights that I wanted to point out. On this podcast, we talk a lot about Jason Robertson and how good he is at the little things and how competitive and how he understands the game. Listen to what Jim Nill says about Jason Robertson, where he actually goes into the opposing meeting, not the power play meeting, but when his teammates go into the meetings to talk about being shorthanded, the penalty kill. And Jason Robertson attends these meetings. Why does he attend these meetings? Because he told... Jim Nill, that he wants to learn what the other team is thinking so he could get better. I mean, that's the kind of player. That's the kind of player that you see a future C on the sweater. That's the kind of guy you want on your team. So I thought that was great. He also dives deep into the process in which Wyatt Johnston um, ended up living with Joe Pavelski. So a couple of really, really good nuggets. I thought Sean and RJ did a great job asking him questions. I thought Jim Nill went told some terrific stories, went into detail. Um, I think it's great that a lot of people don't know. Uh, I did a deep dive on this, that Jim Nill was a very important part of the 1980 Canadian Olympic team, which we intro um, do the interview about. And the reason I say that is because, quick story, Canada almost beat Russia, so it would have been USA-Canada which could have maybe not taken on that same miracle on ice. But Micah Ruzioni has said that Jim Nill and Team Canada kind of showed Team USA that we can beat these guys. So kind of kind of, kind of interesting there. So great nuggets for Jim Nill as we head into the uh, Stars playoffs. So here it is, Sean and RJ with Stars GM Jim Nill on Spits and Suds. Stars general manager, but also 1980 Winter Olympics Team Canada player in Lake Placid, I believe one goal, two assists to be exact. Do I have that correct? You know what? First of all, I appreciate that. And thanks for having me on, guys. You're starting to age me now a little bit. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, well, you can you can just say maybe Winter Olympics and leave it at that. Yeah, but, uh, you know, that. I appreciate that. I, I saw yeah. a stat the other day that, that 1980 was closer to 1939 than it is to today, and I almost died. <laughs> yeah, no, it is amazing. 
But uh, no, I'm glad you guys are doing well, and I appreciate you having me on. No, Spittle sent us that the Hockey Hawks said, look, uh, he was a part of the team that showed us that the Soviets could be beat. So yeah. he basically should be given credit for everything. How do you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take that credit, yeah. there, Jim. They take that credit. Uh, all right. Yeah, uh, take it where you can. I know. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been a really, really good, uh, really good stretch for you guys. What's been the biggest strength uh, of your team as you've come over these last, uh, you know, 13, 14 games? Well, you know, there's a lot of different things, but I think the one thing is, you know, when you start the year, you're putting a team together and you don't know how it's going to come together. And this team, right from day one is training camp. They just, just kind of gelled. You know, we've got a good mix of the older veterans. We've got a kind of a core group, you know, that's been coming along over the last uh, four or five years. And then, yeah, I didn't sprinkle in three or four younger guys, and they've really gelled together. And they, they, I guess the biggest thing is that they play for each other. You know, we got a goalie that the guys love to play in front of, and, and Wedgwood guys love to play in front of our two goalies, and they're committed to each other. And when you, when you, when you, when you want, when you want to play for the teammate next year, that takes you a long ways, and that's kind of where our team's at right now. Do you think hockey more so than the other sports? When you get to the playoffs, you really you can't just have young and young and talented. I mean, you've got to have a good mix of older guys that have that that have been there and and, and gone through the rigors of a of a cup playoff run. It's very important. You know, that's one thing I learned all my years in Detroit. You know, you you can have the you know the best team on the ice. You know, everything else, but until you you live those playoff experiences and the the grind of it and the the highs and the lows, and you know you, you lose a game and you think it's the end of the world, and you win a game and you think oh you're the best team ever, and you got to ride through those waves. Uh, there's going to be adversity. You know, there's going to be a bad penalty. There's going to be say what you want, but there's a little bit of luck involved in life too. You know, there's going to be a puck off a goalpost that either goes in or goes out, um, and you've got to have that veteran presence in that dressing room that has lived through that and can kind of pass it on to the younger guys. And that is very important. Jim, do you have, we always do this before the start of a season with teams. Uh, it's a success. If blank, well, what's the floor? What's the minimum? Do you have that? Is this, have we reached Stanley cup appearance, Stanley cup championship or bust that you would consider this a successful or disappointing run? Do you have that standard in your mind after this awesome regular season? Well, I'm a little bit, you know what, I respect how hard it is. First of all, how hard it is to make the playoffs in our sport. You know, it's 32 teams and only 16 make it. It's tough. And and with the parity in the league, you know, something I tell our guys at training camp first day is it, the difference between making the playoffs and missing the playoffs is one win a month. You know, the season's five or six months long. Those five, that extra win a month, that's that's five or six wins. That's You look at the standings, that's mm-hmm. the difference between making it and losing it. And you look back at the start of the year and you say, well, what's one win a month, you know, here or there? It's amazing when you get into March and April and you get close to the end, how that one extra win here or there, an extra win in February or an extra win in December might have put you in the playoffs. And uh, so it's a tough... You know, just to get to the playoffs is a, is a grind. It's 82 games. And then, you know, you know, everybody says, well, you want to be the best. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you'd love to win the President's Trophy and all this. You just you want to get in. You want to be as healthy as you can be. Um, and then it's away you go. Now you let the, let's let the chips fall. So I don't want to say it's, it's bust or whatever. I think we what we're trying to build here is something that we want to be consistent. You want to have a chance to be in the playoffs every year. And by doing that, that gives you a chance to, to 
eventually maybe win the Stanley Cup along the way. It's not easy to win the Stanley Cup, 32 teams. You know, if you go through the odds, somebody's going to win it once every 32 years, and then all of a sudden a couple teams come along and win it a couple years in a row, and that changes the odds again. So <laughs> it's tough to win championships. But uh, I just want to have a franchise that we have a chance every year to be in the playoffs, and you hope that builds what we talked about prior about having that experience going through the playoffs. You hope that builds up to give you the chance to, to win it. And uh, if you look at all the, the championship teams, they've had to go through the grind of the playoffs and had a chance to win. And I think we've gone we've gone that through that the last two three years. And now I think we've with some of these younger kids coming in. I think that's bringing us to the next level, and that's what we're excited about. Stars GM Jim Nil join us here one hundred and five to the fan. All right, it looks like it's either going to be Seattle or Minnesota. How do you break down the matchups of each? Really not too concerned. In the end, uh, it might be a little cliche here, but I'm just worried about our own team. I know if we play the way we can play, uh, the way we're supposed to play, um, I think we can beat anybody. So, you know, number one priority, let's uh, let's take care of our own business. Uh, you know, you got to be careful. You start picking your poison, who you want to play, that can, that can come back and bite you. So, just really worried about ourselves. You know, sometimes you look at travel comes into play. You know, as a long, you know, if you're talking about a four or four and a half hour flight up there, whereas Minnesota's two hours, does that come into play? You know, those are things you start to look at a little bit and scheduling in that. But uh, other than that, I'm just worried about our, our own team's play. So we were joking around when you guys brought in Pete DeBoer. We're like, uh, look at his first year results. Like the Stars are going to be in the cup final yeah. <laughs> uh, or they're going to have an amazing regular season. And here we are again with Pete DeBoer and a first year impact. W- w- what's the explanation for that, Jim, that, that you see with the crazy early success he continues to have? Well, Pete and his staff, they, they deserve a lot of credit. They've done a good job. Uh, he, he's got a great feel for players. He really knows how to uh, uh, kind of get through to the guys. You, know, you, you get different, you know, when you we talk about our team. You know, you get some older guys. you got to deal with that mentality of the older guys that have been around a long time and want to do things certain ways and might have to break some of their habits. You've got another group of guys, younger guys coming in, and dealing with the younger guys is different than it was dealing with, the older guys and uh, Pete's got a great, great knack for doing that. Uh, he uh, he really instills a confidence in the players. Um, you know, he wants them to. You know, we talk about creating more offense, and you do that sometimes. That's going to hurt your defensive play. And he was okay with that. He wanted the guys to take a little bit of risk, and we'll worry about the mistakes made defensively, and we'll clean that up eventually. And that's kind of where our team's at. So uh, he's got a real good feel for the room. The other thing I like about him is, you know, every day there's stuff going on. You know, we've all got things going on in our lives. In our lives. And what I like is he addresses those situations right away. He doesn't let things fester. If he sees something that he doesn't think is right, either by a player or by the team, he addresses it, and they clear the air, and we move on in life. And uh, he does, he's got a great, great knack for dealing with those type of situations. Wyatt Johnston, one month from today, he turns 20. Uh, I, I know few get to the league this fast like he has. How close were you to sending him back to juniors early this season? And, and can you kind of take us through the arrangement of him living with uh, Joe Pavelski with his family? Yeah, when we, you know, you know, we drafted, you know, it's an amazing story. It's, it's for a guy to get drafted uh, in his draft year and play only seven games because of COVID. 
Uh, that's where I got to give a lot of credit to Joe McAnell and the scouting staff. Joe really had a special feel for this kid, and uh, he he fought for it. I pushed him, you know, saying, "Hey, he hasn't played much," and every time I pushed, he pushed back and said, "No, this is our guy." And I, that's what I like when our, our people stand up and they believe in somebody. So Joe did a great job. His staff did a great job. So the kind of you know, we watched him. So he went back, played junior uh, that after the draft was the MVP in the OHL, won the scoring race, was great in the playoffs. And so we, we knew he was close. When you At that age, when you start to hit those those standards, uh, we knew that he was close to making it. So we just wanted him to come to camp, wanted him to show what he could do. We knew he had nine games once the season started to see where he was at. Uh, but right from day one, you know, Pete DeBoer didn't really know him at all. Uh, Pete just said, boy, every practice he's getting better and better. And uh, we decided to put him with Jamie Benn, just a little bit of riding shotgun, a little veteran presence, and uh, they kind of started to mesh. And you know, we went to the exhibition games. He didn't didn't get bounced around. He wasn't overwhelmed. Uh, we started the season. We had a road trip. We went up to Canada, went to Toronto, Montreal, and Boston. He said, this is going to be a tough trip for him. First of all, he's from Toronto. You know, it was going to be the pressure of his family and being in Canada. Then you're going to Montreal, you know, pressure playing in Montreal, you know, especially for a young guy from Canada. Mm. He had no problem with that. And on the Montreal to Boston trip, that was a back-to-back. He said, now we're going into Boston. You know, he's going to have to – we can't protect him there on line changes and stuff like that. He's going to play against Patrice Bergeron and David mm. Krejci. You know, these guys are all-stars. And so we went into that game. We were actually going to – thought about maybe sitting him out because of a back-to-back but we said you know what we gotta let's find out what where he's at we put him in the game and he wasn't affected he just uh these things don't seem to bother him he doesn't get overwhelmed uh, he wasn't like you said he wasn't physically getting manhandled and his game just kind of took off from there and we got to that nine game mark and we, myself and the coaches like we we don't give out jobs in the nhl you gotta earn it he earned it as an child and uh, so we decided to keep him and he's been one of our every month he just seems to get better and better the coaches now are using him in penalty killing they never thought they'd ever use him in penalty killing he's on the <laughs> second power play unit he just keeps grabbing it he's not overwhelmed um, you know physically he's not getting overmatched uh, he's getting better on draws and so he, he's a special special player uh, you know and then you, you talked about uh, Moving on, Joe Pavelski. You know, when we decided to keep him, we said, "Well, we got to put him in a good spot." He's 19 years old. Never, he's always had a billet family. You know, mm-hmm. looking after him when we played junior. Don't want to really put him out. Let him get his own place in uh, Dallas. You know, young guy. You know, you worry about can he cook or not? You know, can he? You know, is he going to be able to pay his own bills? You know, there's so many things that guys. You forget about regular life things that he's got to do. Plus, he's got to be playing NHL games. So we sat down, talked to a few of the players, and uh, we asked Joe Pavelski if he would have interest in bringing him in. He went back, talked to his wife. She was very open to it. He's got a young, his son's, I believe, 12 years old now, so he's closer to, his son's closer to Wyatt's age than Joe is to, to Wyatt. So <laughs> that would be a good fit. He's fitting with the family, and he's part of the family now. He's uh, There he is. Uh, I still love the, they had a Halloween party, and uh Pavelski's came as caddies, and he was the he came as uh, as Jordan Spieth, I think is who he came as. And so here was here's their Halloween picture of uh, Wyatt Johnson. The two caddies are Mr. and Mrs. Pavelski. So it was uh, like I said, there's been some, some great stories. Uh, he's part of their family now. He loves it there, and 
you know, when you think about it, you go back, just think, you know, after a game, after a tough loss, you go back home and you're sitting at the table having something to eat and you're sitting there with Joe Pavelski and Joe's probably, you know, maybe watched down a little bit and Joe's going to say, hey, don't worry, it's going to be okay. We'll get through it tomorrow, you know. And to have those type of mentors and situations available to a young guy, you know that that's going to pay dividends down the road because somebody did that to Joe Pavelski. Joe Thornton's and Patrick Marles did that with Joe Pavelski. He's passed it on to Wyatt Johnson. Wyatt Johnson in five to ten years is going to pass it on to some young guy we draft down the road. So it's a, when you can create those type of um, situations in your dressing room, it really sets you up for having a winning culture within your room. Great answer. Stars GM Jim Nill joins us here at 105 through the fan. We somehow made it 15 minutes uh, on a playoff preview without talking about an elite goaltender. Uh, but uh, what is the biggest when you and you going back to when you were scouting Otter to where he is now? What's been the biggest step in his game? Well, I was fortunate to watch him in an under 18 team. I was still in Detroit back then. That's when he was playing for the under 17, under 18 teams, and he was you know to get on those teams. That's the best American players in the United States of America. They come together. So he's he was on a team of the best 22 players out of under 17 and under 18 years of age. So you know he's a special player to get to that level. Uh, then he just watched his game mature. You know you, he knew he had good size. You know he's six foot five, so he's good good size. Uh, you know he can physically handle that that type of position, uh, the day to day grind of it. Uh, and then just to watch his maturing level, he's such a mature young man, uh, and to watch him how calm he is in the net. And that's how he was as an eight-year-old. He just was calm. Still had to work on some skills, you know, his skating, you know, ability in the crease side to side, and you know, managing your glove the right way, you know, being tight, being big in certain situations, working on your angles. He had lots of things still to work on to grow in, but you saw that the basics were there. And uh, so when we fortunate come to the draft here but then he'd moved on a little bit and it was the time for his draft year uh, we had a pretty good read on him pretty good book uh our you know we just had gone curry curry Lettman was kind of the workhorse here then we had ben bishop uh who was doing a great job for us but we knew that we had nobody else coming in and so just because of that situation we had that late first round pick we thought this is a great chance to, to add a goalie to our depth that we like uh we believed in the young man Loved his character, believed that his his work ethic was going to make his skill level go higher, and uh, he's done that. He's rewarded himself and ourselves by doing that. Does Jason Robertson remind you of anybody? Jason's he's a great story, just a, just a great story. You know, we, you know, you know, you look at the kind of his story, and that's what I guess that's what's great about sports and about life. You know, here's a guy that's from California, his parents. It had another son that's younger. Uh, they start. They fell in love with hockey, living in California, and were very good at it. And uh, they got better. They decided they better get into better hockey environment. They moved to Detroit to do that, and they both end up getting drafted in the OHL. And they're both leading scorers in the OHL. We draft Jason Robertson. He's he's always been one of the leading scorers, but everybody questioned his skating. Was he, you know, skating inside a little bit? Was he going to be able to? You know, at the NHL level, was going to get exposed. Uh, once again, young man that he's just committed to it. He's so committed to his game. Like he, he lives and breathes it. He's analyzing himself all the time. He's uh, looking at videotape. You know, the other day the coach told me a great story. He, he's now sitting in on our PK meetings, and it's not because he's going to kill penalties. It's because he wants to see how our penalty killers think 
so that he can use that on the on the power play because we know he knows we got a good penalty killing group. He wants to know how they're thinking so he can try to expose that to give that an, an advantage when he goes against other power uh, other penalty killers. So that's how he thinks. I still remember him coming to development camp, first development camp. You know, he was you know they're 18 years old. You know, they're weak. Uh, you know, he's weak. He wasn't in great shape. Uh, it was an eye opener. He sat there. He soaked everything in. We asked him, "Here's what you got to do." He went back and did it. He got a personal trainer. He started eating better, nutritionist, and uh, here he is. What a success story! He's uh, not too many guys that have better hockey sense than him. Uh, he just has a knack. He reminds me a little bit of a Mike Bossy. Just the puck seems to follow him, and uh, they slow the game down. You know, he gets the puck. The game's not too fast for him. Slows down. He's really added a physicality to his game this year. He's got bigger and stronger, and you see him in the corners now. He's going back against guys harder. Uh, so, like I said, he's really, really rounding his game around. And it's funny for an offensive guy. He's the one guy when the puck's in our zone and the puck's on his stick. I'm very at ease because he always makes the right play. He's either gonna make the right pass to somebody in our zone, or he flips it out. And that's that's a compliment compliment to him because he's known as a scorer but here he is in our own zone he makes some of the safest plays and and that's a that's a great treat to have well uh my compliments to you are number one thanks for a hell of a roster but number two for radio purposes you're a you're a freaking tremendous storyteller thank you so much for the time we'd love to have you back i can get rambling sometimes be careful (laughs) appreciate the mike bossy reference haven't heard that in a while like yeah, well, that goes well. I guess that's a, now we're starting to age ourselves here. We go back to those 1980 days, we're aging ourselves. A lot of people don't know who Mike Boston is. You know, just to share another story, it's funny. We, we in development camp, you know, we have players come along and we'll, we'll tell stories that, you know, this is what this guy used to do. And it's amazing now how young these guys are. Like, even you bring up Wayne Gretzky's name now, a lot of these young guys, don't they're know, born way know. after Wayne Gretzky days. It's amazing <laughs> how, the, how the game's changed and how we've aged, I guess. Olympic so, hockey hero. Won't say the year. Jim Nil, Stars General Manager on the Diamond Factory Hotline. Thank you so much, man. Best of luck in the playoffs. You're welcome back anytime. All right, guys. Anytime. You guys take care. All the best.